0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on May seventh, two 2023. I want to explain something to you because I grew up wondering about a phrase in a song that I never knew what it was and no one ever explained it to me. In the song, Come Thou Fount, you get that line, here I raise mine Ebenezer. You guys all know what that means, right? Here I raise my Ebenezer, and as a child I'm thinking, what in the world does this have to do with Ebenezer Scrooge? Because that was the only Ebenezer that I knew. So let me explain what it was that we just said. An Ebenezer was essentially like, like a monument of some sort, a stone monument that Jews would raise. God did something great here, let's remember it. And then by establishment, it would be applied to our hearts. I'm kind of nailing this down, I'm staking this down. Here I raise my Ebenezer. God is important to me. So I kind of wanted you to, to to think of that, because I, I kind of smiled as I was singing that, remember my, my curiosity as a boy, because that's not a word that we use all the time. Um, my hunch is, other than that song, you never use that phrase at all. But think about that. It's an important thought. I'm raising something special to God because God did something special to me. So I wanted you to think about that. And now we're going to turn our attention to Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and bring you up to speed. It was a long day for Jesus. It was his last week of public teaching. And he made the most on this particular day of what turned out to be his very last day of public appearance. If you remember, he had turned over the tables and he had chased out the merchants because he wanted the temple to be a place of prayer and teaching. And he taught for hours and he answered questions of many. Some of the questions were honest, I want to know type questions. Some of them were just amateurish attempts to trap him. And throughout it all, he could see in the back the Jewish leaders plotting and planning to arrest him and have him crucified. Probably in weariness near the end of the day, He sat down with his disciples near the offering boxes. And now the offering boxes in Jesus' day were designed both to protect coins and to amplify the sound. So when a rich person came by and they would put money into the offering plate, people would notice, kind of a way of saying, look at me. I'm doing something incredible to God. And as Jesus looked up, probably hearing the sound, he saw many rich men giving sizable gifts. The people were in awe, perhaps. Jesus made no comment. He was unmoved, and he was unimpressed and then he saw a widow who put in two very small copper coins they're called widow's mites they were the least valuable coin in Jesus's day they would barely make a sound always the teacher Jesus taught his disciples a different way of looking at money. This poor widow, he said, gave more than all the rest. They gave out of their wealth. She gave out of her poverty. By the way, children, any children who are here, I have a bunch of these replicas of widow's mites, and if you want one after the service, Come and see me and I'll be glad to give you one if you can tell me something about the sermon. It's not going to be a tough test, but you just got to tell me something. That was a cool sermon, Pastor. Okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. Whatever. Whatever. But if you, if you, if you come tell me anything, children, I'll give you one of these. not real from Jesus' day, but kind of a replica to show you what it might be like. What Jesus had was a different way of looking at money. Jesus looked at many things differently. And in his last days during this last week, he would take and, and, and give a different way of looking at the future, a different way of looking at hardships, a different way of looking at leadership, a different way of looking at greatness, a different way of looking at prayer, and a different way of looking at death. You understand that the disciples were a product of their culture and sometimes the popular teaching and culture is wrong, and so Jesus was straightening them out and giving them a different way of looking at things. We also are a product of our own culture. And in many things, American culture is wrong. And so Jesus is teaching us to think differently. And part of our job as a believer and follower of Jesus is to think like Jesus. Jesus. So today we learned Jesus' way at looking at money. It's far different than the way most people look at money. Heaven's idea and our idea of money is vastly different. Let's have fun, probably most of you will remember this clip from a movie, let's watch. Hey, what's
1: with you, what'd you say just a minute ago? Why do you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. $8,000. Yeah, now, think just things like that. Now, how do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, do you look about like the kind of an angel I get? Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. I don't know whether I like it very much, being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. only one way you can help me. You, you don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you? Oh, you? no, no, we don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting it.
0: Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut. touch. Comes down pretty handy down here bub I like that line because honestly as we all know money does come in pretty handy down here but if we think of it wrong we can easily be dominated by our money or even our lack of money and even churches get into serious trouble when they focus too much on money more so than loving God loving people So we're going to read Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to learn what Jesus taught about money. It's a short, very short, but very important passage. And I want us to understand it. So let's stand together as we read Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. Near the end of a long day of Jesus teaching in the temple, when he sat down, here's how it reads. As Jesus looked up, He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So I want you to think about that. And I want you to understand, you may be seated, I want you to understand what Jesus was thinking and teaching about money because his thoughts about money are clearly very different from first century Jews or 21st century Americans. So think about what's wrong with our thinking and that will help us understand Jesus' thinking. And the first thing that I want us to point out is that We, you and I, most people use the wrong math. First century Jews and 21st century Americans think in a profit and loss, bottom line accounting approach to money. And therefore, a million-dollar gift is much greater than a $100,000 gift, which is much greater than a $1,000 gift, which is much greater than a $1 gift, which is much greater than a two-cent gift. But Jesus said, that's the wrong way to look at money. To Jesus, this two-cent gift was much greater than a $1,000 gift. Now you understand, you read through the Gospels and understand Jesus' ministry, he clearly wasn't money focused. He did talk often about money, but usually in a parable to teach something greater than money. So how can two cents be worth more than a thousand dollars? That's because money was never the issue with Jesus. Jesus' issue was the heart. Jesus is far more concerned with your heart and my heart than he is with our wallets. And as he pointed out, the widow had a great heart. She loved God, so she gave generously to him. She trusted God, so she gave sacrificially to him, knowing that God would take care of her needs. She didn't care what others thought. The noise of two pennies Going into the treasury would not even make a ripple over the noise of the crowd in the temple. That may have been, though, the greatest financial gift mentioned in the entire Bible. It's the only one that Jesus pointed out and said, That's what I want. It was. Many years ago, as early in my ministry. I was a student at what was then Grand Canyon College. And Don and I were teaching a vacation Bible school in Gila Bend, Arizona. In a home without air conditioning. It had a swamp cooler, but no air conditioning. We told the kids, we had about 20 kids, it was just Don and I. So it was a busy morning every day, Monday through Friday. Um, We we, we told the kids that on Friday, we were going to take a mission offering on that day. My song leader and my usher, 10-year-old Keith, my song leader and my usher was strangely absent on Friday. It wasn't like him at all. So we, we... sang the songs, and we taught the lesson, and we played the games, and we took breaks, and we had snacks, and I shared the gospel. And then right towards the end, it was time for the offering. And just at that time, Keith came in. Sweat was pouring off his face. He was dirty, and he had grass all over him. And he kind of looked at me and kind of nodded as to say I I got this and he came up and he got the offering plates and he did his job passed the plates he was the first one to put some dollar bills into the plate came up to me afterwards he said I'm sorry he said I didn't have any money for the offering and so all morning I've been cutting grass for neighbors it took longer than I thought And I had to wait until they could pay me, so I just barely got here in time for the offering. He had put in everything that he made that morning as an offering to God. From an accounting perspective, it was trivial. But from Jesus' perspective, it's one of the greatest gifts I've ever experienced. Because Jesus' math is not like our math. It's not about dollars and cents. It's not really about math at all. It's about our heart. If your heart is right, you won't have to be stressed and worry about money because you'll be able to think and act like Jesus and trust him to take care of you even when you give to him generously and sacrificially. So we need to learn to think like Jesus. It's not old math. It's not new math. It's Jesus math. And that's what he was teaching. Yeah, you're, you're impressed. But I'm concerned about your heart, not your coins. So Jesus on money, the first thing he taught is, listen, we often sometimes use the wrong math. Another way that we're wrong is that we have the wrong heroes. The rich men with all their money and noise and acclaim got barely a notice from Jesus and no commendation at all. It wasn't that he was against them, he just didn't see what they did as worthy of any kind of mention. Today in American culture, we'd celebrate them, if he was in the NFL he'd get a Man of the Year nomination. If she was a businesswoman, the city would name a street after her. If he was a celebrity, he'd get a Congressional Medal of Honor. If they give millions, they'd have a statue or a portrait made of them. If she was a graduate of a school, they would name a building after her or a scholarship or an award. And people would look at those who gave millions and say, they're the heroes. But to Jesus, the hero was a poor widow. And so we need to learn to think like Jesus. So our our heroes won't be those with the big checkbooks. What they do is good and it's expected. But Jesus is more concerned with our heart. And so today, if we were to name a building, and we don't do that at our church, but if we were to name a building... It shouldn't necessarily be to the man who could give the first 100,000. It should be the widow with social security and nothing else who still tithes to her church and then gives a few extra dollars to the building fund. If we were to name a scholarship fund, it shouldn't be after an NBA player who made millions. It should possibly be to a 10-year-old girl who tithes on her five dollar allowance and then shares her lunch with a hungry friend at school. If we were to give a medal, it shouldn't be named after the richest man in town, but to a social worker or a teacher or a nursing assistant who made little but loved deeply. Sometimes we pick up bad thoughts from culture and it's the rich and the famous and the celebrities and the people who make $50 million a year who give a few hundred thousand here and there. No, to Jesus, it was those who gave all they could and maybe even more. We haven't had the wrong heroes. Most Jesus heroes aren't famous because they're not seeking fame or fortune. They're just people with great hearts who give more money than they can afford of their time, their energy, their resources, their income. Like the widow, they're not looking for notice. They're not looking for pats on the back. They're not looking for their names in the paper. They're not looking for any kind of advancement at all. They just love God and they love people and so they do what God leads. Those are the real heroes, at least according to Jesus. So we have to learn from Jesus, we have to adopt his attitude and his thinking and his learning. We, we use the wrong math, we have the wrong heroes, and often it's because we have the wrong faith. We trust in ourselves rather than trusting in God. Now, now listen, if you trust in yourself, I'm not saying you're necessarily a bad person. You might still do good and give generously like the rich men In the temple. But if you trust in yourself, when you do something, your motives might be suspect. I'm doing it for good publicity. I'm doing it just to feel good. I'm doing it and hoping that someone would notice, because what's important is me. You see this in American culture all the time someone calls a press conference to announce they're giving money to a school or to a ministry or whatever I appreciate that those that just do it out of the goodness and love of their heart and like Jesus said if you're only getting giving out of your wealth you're trusting in yourself I got a little extra I can give it I have a little extra time I can give it Since your trust is in yourself, you take care of you first. And then, if you can, when you can, but only if you can, you give something extra. If you trust yourself and your own money, then you're reluctant to give too much, say too much, serve too much, because it might impact your bottom line and who you are. But if your trust is in God, like the widow, you can give more because you trust that God will take care of you. You can serve more because His work is more important than your work or your leisure. And so sometimes we have the wrong faith. If it's all about me, I'm going to purposely limit what I do, what I give, how much time I offer because it's about me. But if I trust God, I don't have to worry about taking care of me. God takes care of himself. I don't have to worry about him. And I can trust God to take care of me. That apparently was the widow's attitude because it says she gave everything she had. It wasn't out of her wealth that she gave a portion. So I got two cents left. I'm going to give that two cents to God, and I don't know what I'm going to get tomorrow. Remember, they had no social security, no guaranteed check, nothing. I'm going to give all I have because I trust that God will take care of me. That's real trust, real faith. Hey, if our faith is right, if our faith is right, we can give generously, we can give joyously, and we can give sacrificially. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time, I'm talking about service, I'm talking about our life. If I trust God, then I don't have to worry about me because I trust that God will take care of me. I'm not sure that we have that level of faith today, but that's what the widow had. And that's why she was a hero, the only one that Jesus mentioned in what she gave. There's a serious complaint about churches, that churches, and you'll hear this a lot when you talk to people, you invite them to church, why don't you go to church, and you hear a lot, listen, the only thing churches are interested in is my money. And so, you know, the, you worry sometimes that I'm going to go to church, and that's all they're going to do is they're going to talk about money. You hear that a lot. Listen, I want to tell you something, I sometimes hear the opposite complaint. You don't talk enough about money, Jack. We don't have annual pledge drives. I don't preach the budget. I rarely talk about giving. I don't use guilt as a manipulative tool. I don't manipulate figures to add an urgency to the church's financial situation. And only rarely do I speak about tithing, though I believe it and I practice it. My approach is simple teach and preach through the Bible, and when I get to a money passage, I will teach what the passage says, but my ultimate motivation is simple. I want you and I to get our hearts right before God, and if we get our hearts right before God, we're not going to have a money issue. If we're serving God, and we're loving God, and we're doing what God wants, then just like the widow, it'll just be part of who we are and what we do. We serve God, and we give generously to God, joyously sacrificially, generously. That's what Jesus' followers do. So understand where I'm going. Jesus wants us to change our thinking about money. His way of thinking is hugely different than the modern American thought process. And so our job as Jesus' followers is to change our thinking and adopt the Jesus way of thinking. We can't use the wrong math. We can't have the wrong heroes. We can't have the wrong faith in ourselves rather than in God. So, I want to give you some questions and answers for you to think about and answer privately to yourself about money. And so, think about these things and answer these things yourself. And that will let you know a little bit about your heart. It's not about money, it's about your heart, but what you do with money will indicate where your heart is. So, question number one, do I give generously to God's work? Kind of a biblical standard is 10%. There's the the Old Testament tie that's referred to in the New Testament, but I'm not talking to you about a specific amount of money. It might be 50 cents per week for a child, it might be $1,000 a week for a a well-to-do businessman, But a good biblical starting point to define generosity is 10%. And so you can just answer that pretty simple. It's an easy math question. Do you give 10% to God? That's an example of a generous giver. Question number two, a little different. Do I enjoy giving and can I do so generously? That's another indicator of your heart. If you treat giving to God like you treat paying your taxes, then you most likely do it grudgingly and grumpily and with some words of complaint. And if that's how you give to God, then it's an indication that your heart is not right yet. I mean, there, there are many things that I had to pay for in life that I really don't enjoy I don't like paying taxes, but I do. I don't like, especially right now, paying for gasoline, but I do, because I'd rather drive than walk. I don't like paying for groceries, but since I like to eat, I do. But over the years, God has kind of changed my heart, and I do like giving to God, I do enjoy giving to ministries within our church, and I do enjoy giving to three other ministries outside of our church that God has put on our hearts. And I enjoy that. It's an indication that finally, and I would have hoped it kicked in earlier, but finally, after close to 65 years, maybe I'm getting my heart right before God. Because those checks are... Those automatic debits are encouraging to me. Do I enjoy giving and can I do it joyously? That's this question that I want you to ask. And then number three, do I give sacrificially enough that it shows that I trust God? Because that's what the widow did. This was not, I got 100 pennies, I'm going to give one or two or even 10 this was sacrifice. I got two pennies. I'm going to give two pennies. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know, but I trust God. Again, this is not just a money issue. This is with a time issue. Am I sacrificing other things I would enjoy doing so that I can spend time serving God, helping people? Is that something you enjoy? Is that something that's deep enough that it's sacrificial? You understand that this is not really a money sermon. It's a heart sermon. It's not about dollars and cents. It's a Jesus issue. And the dollars and cents were just something Jesus used to show the difference between... Between that and that. So how's your heart? I want you to think about it. Because when your heart's right with God, all the other elements of your life work. When your heart is wrong with God, nothing works. You're frustrated, you're stressed, you're upset, you're unhappy, you can't make it work. It really comes down to the point where you've got to choose i'm going to live for god i'm going to give to god i'm going to serve god i'm going to love like god and i'm going to let god handle it because i can't that that's faith and and so today i'm kind of challenging you to think about your faith and think about your heart and maybe today's the day that you put your faith and trust in god not just i'm going to check the box and say christian and be baptized but (laughs) I'm going to really put my faith and trust in God. I'm going to do it His way and trust Him to take care of me because my way just frustrates me. That's faith. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.